1: well welcome to law of attraction talk radio i'm jules in beautiful southern california tonight we're going to be talking about current affairs if you truly want to comprehend how the law of attraction has manifested out via the collective consciousness well then keep listening you know i was wondering even if i should be bringing this up but i got some really strong feelings that I could not ignore and the opportunity to share some true insights as to what's happening became too great to ignore. It started with me contacting my friend Linda Cruz who is the true humanitarian that goes to the front lines of devastated areas in order to give people a handout and basically rebuild communities that have been devastated she's a nurse by trade and she's managed to go alone into such areas as the Philippines during their intensive floods Sri Lanka after the tsunamis and now she's currently working in Nepal after the major devastating earthquakes to begin getting people to start rebuilding their lives and their businesses in which to bring back their dignity by way of providing for their families i featured her in the last issue of the law of attraction magazine while she's in nepal she sent me some great photos and great stories so just two days ago i sent her an email asking well where are you and do you have wi-fi to do an interview and to my surprise she replied back almost immediately to say she was in los angeles just for the weekend and flying back to nepal on monday and yes we could do an interview so i took this as confirmation that we're supposed to be talking about this and the collective consciousness you know it's absolutely amazing but here we are in the year 2015 and times have not changed all that much we are still pitting religion against religion and the media is still throwing their propaganda in our faces that screams the evils of one group going after another the fear is dominating the collective consciousness and it has served to have us turn our backs against humanity. We know that tens of millions of people were exposed to the movie The Secret in 2006. And we know more tens of millions of people are learning about the power of their minds every day. And yet, it seems like the world's getting more chaotic. You would think that the ripple out effect would make the world seem a little bit more calm and more peaceful so why are things much worse today than they were before what the heck is going on and with the movie the secret it showed us how to improve our life individually by getting the material things that we want you know the cars the houses the success the accolades but it really didn't focus on the collective consciousness. I believe the intention was to show us that individually we are very powerful, powerful enough to manifest our desires in what we need to thrive and to be happy. But it stopped at the individual where many became convinced that if something didn't affect me, I'm just not going to think about it. And we were told, don't look at what's going wrong. Look at what's going right to move you to a higher vibration to create. Well, I've said this many, many, many times on this show, but this doesn't mean for us to simply put our head in the sand and completely ignore what is happening in the world because It forces us to ignore a very powerful and very important emotion called compassion. And at this time in our history, we need compassion to be generated collectively starting today the collective consciousness is the energy of all that is and it goes much deeper than the individual wants and desires it picks up and acts out the dominant vibration you can actually read the energy which is the dominant feelings by just reading social media such as Twitter and Facebook because those are written out by the individual person and when you notice how many likes they have and how many dislikes they have and the comments and and the controversy then you can actually see where the dominant energy is manifesting out from the individual to the collectiveness you can effectively read the collective consciousness now if the collective consciousness is fearful then Fear runs rampant. It turns us against each other. This is where many organizations and systems want the collective consciousness to be in order to divide and conquer. If the collective consciousness is feeling safe and secure, where love and compassion is the dominant feelings, well, then harmony returns to the world and there's no need to control or divide or conquer you see this is the law of attraction on a global level that which we focus on we're going to attract and the more people who focus on it collectively is what is going to dominate the global level and this is an important distinction So let's look at the dominant energy vibration of what's going on globally today. Men and women and children are being forced to flee their countries. Yet people are saying, no, you can't come here. Go back where you came from. Even though, admittedly, most have absolutely no idea what they have experienced to make them leave their homes and their relatives and their source of income to begin with. The dominant energy of fear allows us to judge those who have walked hundreds, perhaps thousands of miles, starved and buried loved ones on the way to feel as if they're only coming to take our jobs or to rape our women or to exploit our children. This is so untrue and unrealistic, but it feeds the collective consciousness to make us turn our back on those who need us the most. And when we turn our backs on humanity, we are effectively turning our backs on ourselves, which means more global issues and problems in the future. Let me put this closer to home. When we turn our backs on humanity, we are effectively turning our backs on our loved ones and family. And even more so, we are giving those people who are in control and feeding the propaganda to us, we're giving them more power and we are letting them succeed. They don't want us to be compassionate. They don't want us to really care. They want to do what they want to do in order to accomplish their goals. But remember, we are living in a very, very abundant planet. We know that there's plenty of land, plenty of water, and plenty of new things to create where people can live as they wish, which is nothing short of a loving and positive environment for everyone and their families. When there is a lack, then it is the humans who can find a way to fulfill the lack which is going to benefit all that's how we humans work we discover a lack we discover a need and then we create a way that is going to get rid of that lack so that we can all succeed the planet earth is abundant and will continue because not only are we one with man We are one with the planet. If we read the dominant science, we can shift ourselves away from this fear and let compassion and love dominate. And if we do that, you're going to see all these current systems of controls and wars and financial collapse just simply fall away. Today, I read a post on Facebook that showed many are afraid about allowing in men who have fled other countries for fear that they're going to rape and kill and maim and take their jobs and all that. So the first thing these posts do is to condemn all Muslims, saying that this religion is horrible. But is it more toxic than the Christian religion? I mean, after all... Christians have been known historically for their wars and forcing people to believe as they do, or they're gonna kill in the name of God. I'm not seeing much difference. I'm not saying this to offend anyone of any religion, but it just appears historically that there's not much separating the two and what they have done in the past, which was to create wars, which was to kill in the name of Allah or kill in the name of God. I'm not seeing much difference. Just perhaps 1% of the Muslims are extremists. And maybe 1% of Christians or 1% of the Jewish population are extremists. And then, of course, we can't forget the 1% of the migrants crossing the southern U.S. borders may be extremists. But they're being exploited by the media and focusing on the fact that all migrants, all refugees are evil. And that's simply not the case. So let me ask you this question. I really want you to be honest with yourself. What in the world would make you feel that you must flee your homeland that you love when you know that certain death awaits you if you stay? What would make you feel that you and your loved ones must take an extremely dangerous trip, not knowing what the outcome would be and not knowing if you are going to survive. Well, the only answer would be is that you have to take a chance to survive against all odds or else you wouldn't be leaving in the first place. Your thoughts wouldn't be on raping or maiming or taking over others' lands. Your thoughts would only be on you and your family surviving. But what about all these men that we're seeing without family members, without children, without wives? Well, from what I'm seeing is that these men are escaping because they're being forced to join forces with ISIS. Or other military that they do not believe in ISIS is forcing them to either fight with them or be killed or have their families killed and that's why many of the men are escaping so when I hear that people are turning their backs on others based on their beliefs then this is where the huge problem occurs for collective consciousness yes this year in 2015 the collective consciousness is still living the middle ages and we you and i must push it forward so what do we do to help the collective consciousness shift from the fear into this powerful feeling of compassion well each one of us must release the judgments and the fear every night and every day in our meditations and prayers we need to send loving compassion to those refugees we must do what we can to welcome and love these people because they are us we must calm their fears and we must let them know that we are so willing to give them back their dignity with a hand up
0: it's here You're listening to Law of Attraction Radio Network, enhancing the well being of millions of listeners worldwide. LOA Network.com is heard through 25 different internet radio stations, as well as iTunes Radio, Stitcher.com, and our mobile apps. The Law of Attraction Radio Network, your trusted source of daily inspiration at LOARadioNetwork.com
1: And I think this is why I respect Linda Cruz so much for doing the work that needs to be done in the world. Filled with compassion, Linda Cruz is a first-rate humanitarian. She's usually the first one to arrive in a devastated area and then she stays when every rescue worker pulls out in order to help the community rebuild not by giving handouts but as i said by giving hands up this is an important distinction in order to bring back dignity to the individual now if any of you feels that you're at the point of your life that you feel like you're giving up that you feel like you're a slave that you feel like you're powerless in this world then perhaps it's time for you to contact Linda, where she will take you on a transformative journey into feeling the beauty and compassion of actually serving humanity. We need more people like linda to touch the world and all you have to do is go to lindacruz.com that's lindacruz without the i c-r-u-s-e dot com and read the incredible stories that she offers and also pick up her book marmalades and machine guns because it's one of the most fascinating books that you will ever read. Linda Cruz has been a humanitarian for the last 15 years. Her personal mentors have been Prince Charles and Sir Richard Branson, whom she calls on when she needs specific help in an area. She's even had many sittings with the Dalai Lama. She often goes into devastated areas alone without knowing anyone who is in charge, yet she works immediately, sleeps on mats on the floor with no shower, no toilet, just experiencing life as the community, experiencing it at that moment, and she does it without complaint. A few years ago, I had lunch with her in Carlsbad, and she looked at the menu and was absolutely amazed by the selection when the day before she was in a country where you literally had a hunt day and night for something as simple as an egg that was an awakening moment for me when I realized I didn't have a clue as to what was truly happening outside my own comfortable world and that's why I'm so thrilled to be bringing Linda back to you, not only through the radio show, but through the Law of Attraction magazine. Well, welcome back, Linda Cruz, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am just amazed that we are talking today. And that must be something to do with the Law of Attraction, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. I just sent you an email. Let's do an interview. Where in the world are you? And... Come to find out that you're just around the block from me in Los Angeles in the same time zone for just this weekend. So it just shows that perhaps there is a message out there for everybody to listen to.
2: Yes. No, I agree. I mean, it's all about serendipity and and coincidences and knowing that it actually it's all divinely planned. Just trust.
1: <laughs> trust and it will happen. Yes. So uh, I want to touch base because I know many, many people and many listeners have read the magazine and saw your article about Nepal and the earthquake that has happened. I mean, the pictures were just so telling. Can you give us a little bit more details of the humanitarian work you were doing? And uh, I guess you're going back
2: there and what you plan to be doing. Yes, I mean, you know, I mean, I've been covering and assisting major, major natural disasters for 15 years. So entering this one in Nepal was really, I mean, I've been going to Nepal for a very long time, so I know the country well, and to see it so devastated by the earthquake. In fact, they have two major earthquakes very close together. And in this high Himalayan area, the buildings are very poorly built, so they crumble very easily. And they had so many aftershocks every day that people are the ones that have survived and not got major trauma with loss of limb or they've had to move away from any building. Mm. So you've got ad hoc camps everywhere. Um, And, you know, as always, after eight weeks, the emergency, the main emergency crews leave. Um, But people have lost everything. They've lost their homes. They've lost their, their means of earning a living. And that is always the bit that I plug. Um, You know, it's after the emergency crews leave, leave, after they've been dug out of their homes, after they've come out of hospital, what happens then? Um, So now we're really setting to to get them back, um, earning their own money again. You know, my my mantra is a hand up, not a hand out. Right. And as quickly as we can get them back, earning their own money, we must. Otherwise, we turn communities into beggars. And it's already a very challenged and poor community. And so we have to get them back strong again. Um, So it's looking at small businesses. What concerns me is that in the very high Himalayas, in the remote areas, we probably haven't even reached them yet. They may have not even received any help since the earthquake happened. Because you have to walk maybe three or four weeks to get there. And the number of helicopters are very scarce. So the extent is still really unknown.
1: And the earthquake happened when, when, when what month?
2: April, May. Oh, yes. my goodness. So I know. I mean, absolutely. It's, but what, what I find is quite interesting is that we, when the media defines disaster, and when the media leaves, we think people are okay. Right. Um, and I've been just working as a, a senior fellow and a lecturer at um, a university in New Zealand in Christchurch. And four years on after their earthquake, they are still not anywhere near back on their feet. And this is a first-world country. So can you imagine what it's like to be in a third-world country and you're only a few months down the road? They are really suffering. They're really suffering. Oh, my goodness. So
1: so how... Do you go about, and I know that you really think outside the box, but how do you get them started in business with, and I would assume there's very little funds going on because there's no banks at the moment.
2: No. I mean, basically you have to mobilize the local business leaders. That's what I always do. And you, you build local teams. And you build on what the local people's skills are. So, for example, there's a very amazing woman I met in one of the camps, and she'd lost her husband during the earthquake. He died. And she has three girls to bring up. Mm. And she said, you know, I need to be able to send them to school. And it could, in, in a lot of third world countries, unless you have a uniform and shoes, you cannot go to school. So she has to earn enough money to be able to provide that bit of uniform for them to go to school. So I said to her, you know, yes, I could fund your children's education, but that's just a sticking plaster. What can you do? And she said, well, I know that with all this construction and reconstruction that will be happening, if I have a little mobile tea shop and make, make the cakes and the small snacks that the workers love, that I can use this little mobile cart and sell tea and cakes and snacks to the workers.
3: Great so that's idea. what we
2: did. We provided a grant and helped her to get the cart and to get all the equipment she needed, the kettles and all the pots and pans, and she's back in business. Um, You know, with self-esteem, dignity and independence, taking care of her own children, and that's what it's all about. So it's very much family by family, individual by individual, but you have to do it that way, otherwise it's not sustainable. You can't blanket a whole community doing the same thing.
1: So what you would do for her is to get her started, and then from there she may just go into a restaurant when yes. everything gets a little bit more settled, but she is making the ends meet for herself and for her children right now.
2: Yes, yes, and that's very, I mean, I think all of us need that. You know, mm-hmm. we need to know that we can depend on our own selves because you never know when, when handouts will dry up. And that's a very, she has a young baby and two other girls, and she needed to feel that she had the ability to earn the money. And really, that project would have cost maybe 200 US dollars, and she's back on her feet. Wow. So it's very little money. But that's why a lot of direct aid needs time and attention, but it takes less money to actually be able to have a sustainable project. But you need frontline people to be able to, talk, look, listen, find out what they want to do, what are their skills, what are they able to do, what's their level of health, what's their level of education, and actually personalize it So, the time.
1: Are you looking for people to maybe go with you on some of these ventures to get oh, yes.
2: them going? Yes, I mean, definitely. And I, I've actually now, because I feel so um, passionate about people getting engaged because actually, we are one world, we're global citizens, and when we're able to share our skills and our knowledge um, from a first world to a developing country, it's a great show of practical compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just started a foundation course, which actually helps people of all ages, from from the youngsters doing their gap year from 18 years old up to 60 plus, where I teach how people can start to really make a sustainable difference by realizing a model that they can use, which is my hand-up model. But before you go into a community such as that, there's two very important things. One, when we come from our quite privileged societies, Mm -hmm. if we go into those communities wearing the same pair of glasses, we cannot see or where the moccasins of the community were trying to help. Mm. So we need to actually realize what we take for granted. And then we, when we go to these developing countries, we can then wear their shoes, wear their moccasins, and actually help them from the inside up. And that is why I've been teaching, which I've, I've just written this course, the Humanitarian Foundation course. But I'm a- absolutely actively looking now for people to sign up, join in, do the course, and get on board.
1: So they really cannot go in there without knowing anything about the culture and the community that they're trying to help because it really could backfire on them.
2: Well, yes. I mean, I've seen that many times when we take our own uh, opinions and judgments and expectations,
3: mm-hmm. especially
2: when we start to assume things because you do when you're living in a society in a culture from birth to your 20, 30, 40 years old. And many of these countries operate on a very different system to us, and that's why you need to be able to step back and actually look at it very objectively. Otherwise, you can actually be creating more of a problem than a help.
1: Linda, some people who I know are fascinated by this thought of actually going and helping communities in distress The one thing that may be stopping them is the fear of, can I actually do it, do this or help them coming from um, this society that you don't, that really doesn't need it. You know, you're you're just self-contained. Everything's going well. You have houses, everything. But that fear is, can I really make a difference? What happens to me? What if I run into trouble? What's that fear about?
2: Well, I mean, I think, it, I think it's a very, uh, I think it's a very acceptable fear, and um, I actually believe that fear just enables us to pause and just really reflect what it's all about. And I think it's it's good because it makes you realize you are going into a very different environment. But when you look at most of us who have grown up in a first world environment. We have learned we have a reasonable level of education, a reasonable level of financial literacy. We've um, got practical skills if you're a mother, if you're a, a teacher, if you're a, a, a worker in an office. Now, these skills are very able to be actually of huge use to people in the developing countries. I, I even say to people, if you're a hugger, come. The fear is because you're walking into a different environment. Right. that's why now I take people through this very practical but safe course which makes you realize why we have these fears. Because you're walking into an environment which actually the rules are different. That's all it is. But once you actually understand it and step back and look at it, and I will say clean your glasses, then it's actually very clear. And in fact, it's exciting, Jules, because you're learning about different rituals and cultures and traditions and we learn, actually, probably we get more out of having these uh, volunteering or frontline experiences than we give, because the richness of these cultures is so huge. So once you start to imbue and understand them, you actually take them back into your own culture,
1: and that's mm. very exciting. Wow, yeah. You, you know, I keep on thinking about these people, and, and I see a lot of people come to me for hypnosis, for for depression and I keep on thinking, if only they could get outside of themselves, the depression would completely go away. And if they could experience things like this, then what they would thought was so important that put them into a depression, they would realize it's really not important at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is a very quick way Um And often people come with me really not realizing the transformation they'll have when they get to the front line Mm. because we take so much for granted. And when you see, I mean, poverty does not equal unhappiness. When you go to these areas that have either had a disaster or they're poverty-stricken, the people are usually very happy. Even after this major disaster in Nepal, you go to these communities and people greet you with big smiles. They're so happy to have you in their country. And when they're able to earn enough money to buy food for that evening, they sing and they dance and they drum and they celebrate because they are joyous about having achieved something. And it's a great lesson for us to learn because our expectations are so just ingrained in us that we are entitled to things that we appreciate. And that sense of gratitude comes back to you very quickly. When you're in a community such as
1: that, I could see where a transformation would occur. I mean just eye opening now I went to Africa um in April and May of this year, and it was mind blowing to me these wonderful, beautiful people and their they're just their spirit, even though there was Boko Haram just you know in the next community, but yet the sense was so miraculous and i learned something huge uh, about these beautiful people in nigeria so i can absolutely appreciate now i remember when you were talking before about the tsunami um and all the kids and the one thing that you needed was to pick those kids up and make them feel better so you thought outside the box, and you brought the entire circus to the the disaster area to help these kids and bring a smile on their face.
2: Yes.
1: Are you doing something similar like that in Nepal?
2: Of course I am, Jules. Of course. <laughs> Why did I even ask?
1: But I was, I'm trying to fish and see what you're doing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, psychological recovery is simultaneously as important as my key focus, which is livelihood recovery. Because we have to heal hearts and souls. You have to get smiles back again. And we do it through many ways. This time it's through sport, it's through magic, it's through singing, it's through drama. Um, But it's very important. It's really, really important. And... Magic, of course, is a major part of my life. As you know, I'm a magician. My father was a magician and grandfather was a magician.
3: Mm -hmm. You don't
2: need translation. So yes, one of the first things I did was to take magicians up to the very, very remote areas just to give a relief from the stress because you need it. You have Mm -hmm. to do it. You have to heal from the inside out. And our hearts and souls need it. We need to smile. Um, So yes, it's very important, psychological recovery. The clowns are there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And again, I could see uh, people who are just in stuck where they are right now. They're just feeling trapped and kind of like enslaved. And all they need to do is take off a couple of months and go to your course and and be of service to a remote area that really needs their help. Wouldn't you agree?
2: I do, because actually, you know, contribution service is the greatest human need. It just is. And I think if you have a very, very busy life, as most people do, it's, you know, that that part of our service and contribution is squashed and squashed and squashed. Mm -hmm. So we just maintain and manage our own little family environment. But when you do actually step back and take that time off, you come back a much whole, complete, richer person. And actually, you know, we, we are—it it is one world, and the more we do get off our own hamster wheel and take off those golden handcuffs, you will really have your eyes open to the joy that is out there. Um, I mean, I've arrived in Los Angeles, and I do, you know, I love it here, but mm-hmm. it's so much like the community I come from in England, where, you know, we do live fast and furious lives. We don't have that time to step back and talk to our neighbors. And they do in developing communities. And we learn so much from it. And you will learn compassion and love, unconditional love. They will love you even if they don't know who you are. And that is such a joy you bring back with you. Um, so I do encourage anyone, do if you have the time, take a course like I'm running because it does empower you in many, many ways. And it does squash that fear. But don't delay. It's transformational. And don't wait until you retire to do this because it will, I always think as parents, we are the role models and inspiration for our children. Right. We don't want them to see you just on that hamster wheel. So take them with you even, especially if they're a little bit older, if they're teenagers. Take a vacation and take them with you. It will change their life forever also
1: take a vacation for service. I I love that concept. I love it. I mean, if it's there's no better way to feel better about yourself, it's not about getting away, it's about being of service and like you said it's transformative. So, Linda, there is um a crisis going around Europe right now and it's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. And I'm talking about the refugees. Um, Can you tell us something? Here, it's so controversial, and I can understand why. I, I truly can't because a lot of people are seeing men instead of children, but they're totally unaware that these men are running away so that they don't have to fight or they don't have to. I mean, they're they're having their families destroyed, their homes destroyed, their livelihood destroyed, and then people are questioning, "Well, why is there just men coming over? What uh, how how do we respond to all of this and and let our hearts start shining out?"
2: Well, I mean, again, Jules, it goes back to wearing the moccasins and understanding. Um, yeah. What they're going through Because it's very easy, and, you know, the British press is probably some of the worst, the way they sort of, you know, just really condemn and slash, and it's really awful what's being said. But if us as individual human beings, as part of this global world, we start to say, right, I'm actually going to take an individual, I'm going to look to see where he came from, what his lifestyle was, what he's going through now, why this is happening, That's how we can have that practical compassion and understanding of what they're going through. That's why I insist that we have to now start to wear the moccasins of anyone that we actually want to try and help and understand. And, you know, we have such an amazing resource. We have the Internet. We have Google. We have libraries. We can just look and look and inquire and inquire. Don't just take the top line of what comes across on, on the news or in the newspapers, really looking to see what their traditions are, how they you know, love their families, their respect their rituals, and understand the desperation they're in. That's yeah. the only way we can actually understand them.
1: Yes, and I think that there's so much propaganda being put out to keep us in fear so as to not to help or not to have that compassion. And and I think that we have to go above that and recognize that there, but for the grace of God, go I, it could be happening to me, and would I want somebody to turn their back on helping me and, and my family? You know, and it's like we have to start connecting to everyone.
2: Yes, I mean, you're absolutely right there, but for the grace of God, who knows? I mean... I know personally myself, having been on the front line for 15 years, I have survived the harshest times through the kindness of strangers. People who have no idea who I am will share their last meal with me or take me in or, or, or help a wound, you know, help me heal from a small wound, anything. But I would not have survived if people just didn't have that open-heartedness. And again, sadly, our communities, we've become more insular and isolated, You know, but actually what we have to look is we are one family. We are all connected. Mm -hmm. And if you can just stretch out and touch one other person's soul, one other person's heart in your own community, there's a great ripple effect because you feel that coming back to you straight away. But this refugee crisis, I believe actually there's a whole movement here that's happening because even the camps that have been set up and, you know, I mean, I've worked in Afghan camps, Tibetan camps, Burmese camps. And, you know, they, people, Burmese camps have been there 25 years and no sign of them going. You know, it's like we have, the whole thing has to be just re-looked at. We have to know how we can care for people properly and make sure that they're, they have the facilities and they ha- they're able to grow their own food and they're able to put down a permanent fixture in the land. Um, which is, in the camps, of course, they're not, but these camps are Mm long-term. So the whole situation now is, I think, it's like a pack of cards being thrown up in the air, and it's time for individuals to stand up and really do their own research and really speak up and show that human compassion.
1: Now, I know here in the U.S., the mainstream media kind of propaganda is really putting a major focus on the fear tactics on Muslims. And I don't know about you, Linda, but I've known quite a few Muslims and I'm not seeing anything to be afraid of. I could be wrong, but I have only seen true, true, wonderful people. Why is it that we are why what what is this about? Why are we fearful of another human being?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean again, that's absolute propaganda because we're actually all individuals. I mean, that's the thing and I know because I've literally moved around the world for fifteen years, and at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we all have the same desires. We want our children to be happy, safe, fed, educated. And we're all exactly the same. And absolutely, I mean, I, I lived for two and a half years in Pakistan after the earthquake. And I've got some absolutely amazing friends there. And you can't just blanket and say that. And it is just the way our, our media, you know, want to just inflict fear. And, and again, just be an individual. I mean, that's why, you know, I think all of us, you know, we do have our own opinions and our own thoughts. And, and use it. That's why engage locally, engage your own thoughts, your own brain, and realize that we're just individuals actually on the same path. In,
1: in your in, yeah, in your book Marmalade um Machine Guns and Marmalade? I often oh, I
2: machine guns. Thank right. you. I,
1: well I get it okay. <laughs> but
2: <laughs>
1: but in that book you had talked about going into these places totally alone not even knowing how to get there, not having the proper survival tools. You literally got off the plane alone as a woman and went into these places.
2: Yes. I mean, the thing is, again, I think, you know, especially we're talking on, I mean, you are the Law of Attraction show, and we all know that even if we, Just think about an animal. You're walking up towards an animal. If you're fearful of it, they will feel that straight away. That's your fear coming out, and they'll react in that way. When I was going into possibly potentially dangerous areas, I just went in with a heart full of love, passion, and purpose. Mm -hmm. I was only there to do good. And because I was alone and I was a woman, and I know that helped because I was alone as a woman, I was absolutely vulnerable and absolutely no threat. And wow. I was going there for one sole purpose, and that was to help the community rebuild itself. And, and I just think we must be clear in our own minds and our own thoughts who we are, what we're doing, and why we're alive, what is our purpose. And basically it boils down to love and kindness. And if we felt that and we vibrated that energy wherever we are, even if we feel we're going into a difficult situation, you have a whole level of, level of protection around you. And I absolutely know that's how I was able to do the work that I've done in complex situations.
1: Wow. I think that you are a modern-day miracle worker because not only are you going in there, thinking outside the box and helping these communities, but you're shedding light on the humanness and our connection to each other and this, is what makes you so very, very special? I mean, if there's one person in the world who be who should be getting major, major awards in Norway, it should be you, the Peace Prize, everything, because you're bringing to light exactly what we humans need to hear, and that's to maybe even once in our life to stand up and okay, feel the fear but don't let it stop us from connecting to others.
2: Well, I mean, absolutely. And that's why I love when people have an interest in touching their toe in the waters that I have been in because it is magical. And the sense of when you've been there, you've done it, you've helped, you've contributed, you come back, you share the stories. And because we are all connected and practical compassion, love and kindness, is the only way that our beautiful world will get the best it possibly can be and come back to that center and that self. Um, So I I encourage all your listeners, don't give up. Do not give up on human kindness and connection and try and reach out to someone every single day. Random act of kindness, a smile, even in your own backyard. Just do it because that's what our career shouldn't be a career in law. It should be a career in care kindness and happiness
1: right right this is the biggest lesson of all yeah to to supersede everything that we're seeing and just turn within and be heart-based and that's real easy to say but again linda you're you're out in the front lines uh you're you're going back to nepal i
2: certainly am yes
1: this this week huh like
2: yeah, I should. Well, I'm leaving the US on, on Monday to go back to London, and then I'll be moving on to uh, Nepal within a few weeks to check on all my projects.
1: Yes. So, wh- if people want to go and help you in these situations, they need to take your course. So, we want to send them. Where do they go for the course?
2: Well, if you, if, it would be great if they could email me. Don't okay. I would go to my website and just. There's a, there's a contact form there which you just press and it will take you through and just write what your interest is. Or my email is linda at lindacruise dot com. There's no i in cruise, just c r u um, s e. But if they email me and put, you know, humanitarian foundation course, or want to volunteer or want to come to the front line, then I will know how to direct them.
1: Okay, that's good. And where do, you, you're just waiting for uh, other disasters or what do you I think you mentioned to me that you do have uh, plans to work with the Syrian uh, refugees
2: yes oh, absolutely I mean, the refugee crisis now is I just feel there is so much that of the model that I've used in every other area throughout my 15 years that needs to be applied to this awful Syrian crisis that we've got and This is what I'm working on at the moment, and I'm gathering colleagues around me and local people, and we'll absolutely be addressing that, because this is a very serious problem that needs to be looked at carefully. But, you know, the key actually is getting people to look at the situation differently.
1: Right, right. That
2: is the key. That is the key. And, you know, getting the governments, getting, you know, the people, the leaders, to look at the situation differently. Um, and actually actually, most things happen through individuals standing up and taking responsibility and speaking their minds about how it should go forward, so be strong and ensure that you are playing your part in a positive outcome to this de- terrible crisis
1: yeah, just don 't go run and hide you know take an action step so what you 're suggesting then with your model is to help these refugees be able to support themselves in which they can make funds and in which they can get their dignity back and which they can provide for their families.
2: Yes, That's basically exactly. it. Absolutely. 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 And, you know, we, when we look back in time, from when, from when the Tibetans um, left Tibet and came into India, mm-hmm. the Indian government gave them a lot of land, and they were able to rebuild their lives. And this is what you know, we need to be able to do, is to give people a space, a warm-hearted space, to be able to rebuild and just become a normal, self-sufficient citizen again, until their crisis is over. And we do have the space, we do have the land, We just need the heart.
1: Yes, and why is it that people, I mean, United States, oh my goodness, we're huge here. We've got lots of land, lots of empty land, and I don't understand what this stuff is all about. There's many, many places in Europe that has plenty of land. We have, the planet is abundant. Why is this coming about? I'm just not understanding where the fear I I just have a hard time understanding and so I can't even go there I just think that we have to individually take a stand and we need to help you Linda
2: Thank you I mean that's the key thing you said though do not get overwhelmed by it and bury your head in the sand Mm -hmm. that's the worst thing you can do don't get overwhelmed just stand firm and strong, research, understand, and learn. And just by understanding and wearing their moccasins, you're helping them because you're not regurgitating and repeating uh, the fear and the propaganda that's coming out in the media. Just take time to actually understand it properly.
1: Right, right, right. Yes, I just so appreciate that we had the opportunity to chat. And I know that we have another article from you that's going to be in the October issue. And then I'm hoping that you're going to keep on sending these delightful stories and and pictures because you're bringing to life something that we all got to experience. So I'm, I'm so grateful that we can, actually wonder, well, where in the world is Linda today?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, I'm out there on the front line, but I tell you, anyone who wants to start to learn, start to be on the journey, and you have that heart pull, just take the step forward. Um, It's a joyous, transformational, amazing experience, and I'm here ready to welcome you. Yes,
1: and you know what? it's so much easier and so much better transformation than going to a shrink for 15, 16, 17 years. (laughs) It's much faster to to connect with life. (laughs) That's
2: very true. I think five days with me is probably all you need.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, Linda... I am headed to uh, doing this with you. I, I am that's one of my purposes, is that I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to fill the front lines, and I am going to love every second of it. Maybe not every second, but I, I know that my life will change dramatically.
2: Yes. Well, welcome, and I'm looking forward to that moment, Jules.
1: Okay. Well, Linda, thank you so much. Go back and have fun, and then return, and then um,
2: we'll be talking. Wonderful. Lots and lots of love. Great to talk to you, Jules.
1: Thank you, Linda.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to Jules at LOARadioNetwork.com and have a great week.